Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hi, Keegan. Hello. How are you faring in this very hot weather? (laughs) This week's been a rough one, Keegan. You know how we always talk about like the waves of the pandemic and our emotions and how we feel? Mm -hmm. This one's been a tough one, man. Like Theo went back to school and my schedule's different again. My days are longer again. It's just kind of, I think, adjusting to everything. And then I like finally had like an emotional breakdown I cried like three times at work today. I cried again when I got home. No, I get it. Some days are just like that. Well, and it's just bizarre. I mean, every single day, Anthony and I, we have the same routine. It feels a little like living in Groundhog's Day. And then every single night we have the same conversation about like, can you believe this is what our lives are now? Yeah. Like if you had told me a year ago that I would have like long stretches of time where I didn't leave the house, like if before this, if I didn't leave the house for a full day, it was like, you're sick. A big, a kind of like a big-ish deal. Yeah. yeah. Or just like, uh, it's the weekend and I'm being lazy on purpose or whatever. But now I go full stretches where I only leave the house to get the mail, if that, you know? Yeah. So. That's definitely got to be weird for everybody that's still working from home. I definitely can't imagine what that's like. My Well, and you all know I've said this a million times on the show, but my sleep schedule is so fucked. Like, I woke up at 4.30 this morning and I was just up. So well, this is me running nice. on no sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you about that, too. Just the heat makes it hard to sleep. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, it's miserable. And I just think that I just have, I'm in such a constant state of anxiety during this pandemic that my body just wakes me up so many times during the night. And if I stay awake for just like a second too long, it takes me like an hour and a half, two hours to fall back to sleep. It's awful. I hear you. Yeah, I've been having really weird dreams Sleeping well, but having just crazy bizarre dreams. I don't like that. That wakes me up. Feel, like when I wake up, I feel very tired after yeah, having bad like, dreams. For sure. Yeah. Boy. Well, let's get into talking about the news today. So I only have one thing, but I have like five pages on it. So. Oh, boy. Um, I have something awful again. Well, why don't you go first? I'll go first. So, Keegan, I'm sure you have seen this circulating across Instagram, I'm sure, and Twitter, I bet, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have too, on 
Monday morning at 2.15 a.m., three transgender women named Eden Estrada, Jaslyn Boussinette, and Jocelyn Allen, who are known as Eden the Doll, Jasleen Whiterose, and Jocelyn Flawless on Instagram, they were waiting for their Uber when a man who had been hassling them earlier while shopping came back and stole Estrada's phone. When they tried to get it back, other men started gathering and shouting transgender slurs. The attacker then grabbed a crowbar and hit Jasleen Boussinette in the head with it. She passed out. When she came to, she heard men laughing, saying she was dead. People watched and recorded for five minutes as the women pleaded for someone to call 911. So this has all been recorded. I first saw this on India Moore from Pose's Instagram page. They've been posting a lot about it and a lot of the videos. Have you seen this, Keegan? I have not seen the videos. I have heard this story. Um, I've followed this story somewhat, but I I really have gotten to a place where I don't like to expose myself to videos like that. Um, totally. Just for me personally, but um, I have read this story and it is horrifying. Yeah, it's it's very scary. And there, I watched uh, an interview with the women on ABC 7 News in LA and they were talking about their experience and how they haven't been able to sleep, how they're just so scared and traumatized. And you could just see it on these women's faces, just how how scared that experience was and re- and retelling that story was obviously very, very hard for them. Um, so it now is being investigated as a hate crime. There was some um, push from the community to get this uh, investigated further. They're also looking into a cop who was seen driving by the scene that doesn't stop at some point uh-huh. in the video. So a- Shocking. Alleg- I know, right? Allegedly, this cop... It's been confirmed that he was on his way to another emergency call or whatever. Um, the suspect has not yet been found. He's 25 years old, they say, six feet tall and 180 pounds. It was, hold on, though. So there were people recording this? Yes. There so was tons not, of people. Is he not on camera? He's on camera. So when I watched this ABC 7 News interview, they like they like stop the film like they stop the video right where you see his face and then it's like a woman being like this man is 25 years old six feet I don't know why she's British she's in LA Uh, six feet tall and 180 pounds if you have any information you know all this kind of stuff so it sounds like they've probably gotten a description of this person like the age for me is kind of how, where I'm getting thrown off. I guess it must be like he's around 25, like mid 20s. Right. Something. Yeah. They they can't know that specifically, but right. he but looks yeah, you, around 25. You do see his face, and I will post uh, that screenshot along with uh, the episode notes tomorrow on Instagram, so you all okay. can see it. Yeah. If you have any information? So yeah, this was in Hollywood, which is a very even during the pandemic. I'm sure it's still a very active area like Hollywood Boulevard and everything like that. A hundred percent yes. And the fact that you know the thing that's always I shouldn't say it's jarring to me because it's not jarring to me it's not that surprising to me but it is interesting when we see these things coming out of LA you know we talk about our bubble a lot and I think that a lot of people have this idea that we are this land of like happiness and inclusivity and things like that but there's still well yeah it really doesn't yeah there's so much transphobia me. everywhere. Yeah, it really doesn't surprise me that much, especially given the fact that I think people who aren't from L.A. don't know this necessarily. But Hollywood is 
a dangerous area. It's, it's not super as super dangerous. It's super glamorous. I mean, it has it's places that are glamorous, but it is, it's kind of like downtown LA where like downtown LA, you can go from one street that is like super posh and like pristine and literally a street or two over. It is just high crime and lots of homelessness. Yeah. And, um, it's, it just is that easy. So to me, it's not surprising that if this was going to happen here, it could happen anywhere right. in L.A. L.A. has lots of homophobia, transphobia, racism, just like everywhere else. Right. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that if it was going to happen here, it happened in Hollywood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just think it's, you know, for me, it wasn't surprising. But I think, you know, I hear a lot about the idea of you know, everybody in L.A. always being so liberal. And I know for a fact that isn't true because I saw a Trump 2020 sticker at the Gelson's in like Valley Village, Studio City area yesterday. Right. I well, was I mean, it's, it's also partially like, yes, there is this idea that people in L.A. are progressive, but there's a lot of progressive people who like to turn their brain off to injustice or not pay attention to it or think that it's enough, right. um, which actually kind of goes into my next topic for us to discuss. Awesome. But I really you- quick want to interject because you are literally like describing TERFs right now where it's it's true that there is a certain part of like activism and feminism that I feel like. Feminists don't want to look at. Activists don't want to look at. And that's kind of, that's part of it. Right. Or just thinking like, well, we're morally superior. So we're morally superior to maybe like Republicans or conservatives. So that's enough. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I that see makes it sense. a lot in a lot of different circles. You know, we see it a lot uh, anytime there's outcry about racism. Um, even Martin Luther King Jr. spoke on it. White moderates um, or people who maybe generally like the idea of social justice, but don't actually want to look too closely at the people who are most vulnerable. Right. So well, and that's something that, we've really seen a lot during this pandemic, too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so with that, let's talk about the Democratic National Convention, oh, shall we? Oh, yes. So I, I don't mean to sound negative in that way because I actually... I watched most of the first day, and then after that, I uh, just watched the people who I wanted to see at the Democratic National Convention. I've watched essentially highlights. Max and I watched a while as the different states were giving their votes and things like that. So if we don't have anything to like do or watch, we're turning it on. But otherwise, I'm pretty much just doing the highlights. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I watched... Basically the whole first day. But outside of that, I haven't been watching the whole thing the whole time. Right. Um, And so I don't mean to sound super negative because there is something to be said for like my heart, just that emotional response of feeling hopeful. I did feel that when I was watching the DNC. Definitely. But I always have to check myself because I do think that something that Democrats are guilty of a lot is... um, feeling so morally superior to Republicans or people on the right yeah. that they feel like that's enough. Like They don't always pass legislation that's helpful. Uh, they tend to scale things back and kind of kowtow to the people on the right, right quite often in the Democratic Party. And so it always leaves me feeling like, oh, I'm excited because adults are speaking coherently. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of like where the bar is at. Pretty much. However... There were some um, highlights. So I basically just highlighted 
important people who we might want to talk about. Uh, and so let's start off with the thing on the first day that everybody freaked out about. And that is Michelle Obama's speech. Oh, now, yes. I cried into my Chipotle while watching it. So that should As tell would you everybody. something. <laughs> so that should tell you something. She is just, man, and look. I'm not trying to start drama at all, but I watched her speech and I watched Obama's and in my notes under Obama's, I did write what an incredible, fantastic speaker he is because he really is very talented yeah. as a speaker. But there is something so magnetic about Michelle oh, yeah. that she's almost more interesting to watch <laughs> speak. Yeah, she's definitely got that... Well, yeah, I mean, yes, her husband has that, like, presence and that voice as well. But I wonder if there is something, there's something so, like, earnest and sincere about exactly. Michelle Exactly, I was going to say genuine. Very, yes. almost maternal as well. Like, she very much kind of felt like everybody's, like, cool aunt or mom in a way. That like, is so funny because I had that in my notes and then I took it out. Really? That she had, that she had like, major mom energy. She does. In this. Well, she um, always did because remember when she was, like, trying to get kids to eat, um vegetables and she was like turn up with turnips and like she's just that yeah, like goofy mom you know I love it I love it and she is so well spoken and yeah I know that she was like reading off of a teleprompter or whatever but still she so clearly articulated the moral failings of this country and how sad and disappointing it truly is yeah she contrasted where we were um, whenever she and, and Barack left office to where we are now and highlighted the importance of empathy for our fellow Americans and human beings. And I think that that is something that did get me over and over watching these people speak uh, is how much I have missed seeing people in charge be empathetic. Yeah. Like that matters so much. Uh, and she talked a little bit about going high because that is something that she gets quoted on a lot. Yes. Uh, and so she kind of, I know a lot for a lot of people, the idea of like, we go high, you know, they go low, we go high kind of thing. I, I know that that can rub people the wrong way because it can feel like a cop-out, yeah. right? Where it's just like, well, we just have to sit here and smile while they do atrocious things. Right. And she clarified that, like, we will never sink to their level, but we also can't just stand idly by and allow things to happen. Right. Um, she said, going high means standing fierce against hatred while remembering that we are one nation under God. And if we want to survive, we've got to find a way to live together and work together across our differences. Yeah. So I, I just really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed watching her speak. And she very emphatically talked about how Donald Trump was not the right president for this country and that we all need to go out and vote. Yeah. She said, um, if you take one thing from my words tonight, let it be this. If you think things cannot possibly get any worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. It's fucking so, horrifying. Like, she is warning yeah. you. Like, things yes. are gonna get worse. They will. <laughs> they will. If, if you don't show the fuck up. Um, so immediately after watching this, I requested my mail-in ballot. Good. And you should, too. Yes. Uh, because, listen, I have to tell you, because, okay, let me jump into that right after I say this. I watched Bernie Sanders speak as well that first day. 
he urged people to vote in his very, very Bernie way. Yeah. You know, he was like, you guys just have to do this. Yeah. He thanked all of his supporters and he pointed out how wonderful it is that we've managed to, you know, move the country into a more progressive space. But he went on to say that if Donald Trump is elected, we will lose all of that progress that we have made. And this election is about preserving our democracy. And so we must rally behind Joe Biden because yeah. let me tell you something. I had to get back on Facebook for work. Uh, I don't want to be there. It's a terrible place. Yeah. It is, having been gone for a while, I can honestly say that I think that Facebook is the most toxic social media platform oh, out there. It is, because like I swear, Instagram, it's all like, like-minded folk for me. You know what I mean? Like I kind of know who follows me and like what demographic I'm in, but on Facebook, it's everything. Well, you know? and even if you follow people who you don't agree with on Instagram, it is easier to separate yourself from the mess yeah. because it's it's more image driven and like just less words driven. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. text textual. But I did have a conversation with somebody who was a Bernie supporter, is a Bernie supporter and will not vote for Joe Biden, is going to write Bernie in the next election. No. And let me tell you. Let me tell you, if you write Bernie in, in November, just know that Bernie is disappointed in you. Bernie is because, mad at you. Right. Because that isn't, he's asking you as his follower, as somebody um, who is like-minded, he is asking you to do the right thing. And whether you like it or not, the right thing, this go around, is throwing your support behind Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Because the cost of not doing that is just way too high. Yeah. It's just way too high. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about AOC while we're on the subject of Bernie. So um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was only given 90 seconds at the um, Democratic National Convention. That's because all she needs because she's the best. Okay, sorry. I'll stop. It is, but it's also upsetting. It's It goes along with what I was saying about the Democratic Party. They... They decided to center the DNC around old school Democrats and distance themselves from where the party is going, right. which is a more progressive space. So there has been some controversy around her, uh, her time at the DNC. Oh, yeah. Because there has been a tradition, basically for as long as the DNC has been around, where if a Democratic nominee, Bernie Sanders, got enough delegates, which he did, um, then they would have to have like a second who not who seconds the nomination for mm. Bernie Sanders. OK, so obvious choice. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was assigned to second the nomination. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. She ha she's a socialist, um, a democratic socialist, just like him. It made sense. Yep. So she did that. She spent her 90 seconds endorsing Sanders uh, and seconding his nomination. Um, and after that happened, NBC News tweeted, in one of the shortest speeches of the DNC, Rep uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez did not endorse Joe Biden. Quote, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for president of the United States. That tweet is so incredibly misleading. I was going to say it's it's 
leaving out a lot of information. Right, because it makes it sound like this is not something that is standard practice. Yeah. Right? Like, it makes it sound like And it makes it sound AOC like she's being trying, petty. Yeah, or she's trying to, like, divide the Democratic Party into it two. Does. Yeah. It does. Um, so, it, it, yes. So she was pissed. She was not having it. So eventually, they took the tweet down. Hours later, the tweet was deleted with an editor's note that... Um, said this tweet should have included more detail on the nominating process. They knew exactly what they were doing. Of course It was a very... um, It was a calculated move. Calculated move, absolutely. So she tweeted, you waited several hours to correct your obvious and blatantly misleading tweet. It sparked an enormous amount of hatred and vitriol, and now the misinformation you created is circling on other networks, all to generate hate clicks from a pre-recorded routine procedural motion. This This is completely unacceptable, disappointing, and appalling. The DNC shared the procedural process of my remarks to the media well in advance at NBC, knew what was going to happen, and that it was routine. How does a headline that malicious and misleading happen with that prior knowledge? So, at NBC News, how are you going to fix the incredible amount of damage and misinformation that you are now now responsible for? Because... A 1.15 a.m. tweet to slip under the radar after blowing up a totally false and divisive narrative across networks isn't it. So she fucking Damn, was like... Damn, girl. You're, you're fucking... You can take your apology yeah. and shove it up your yeah, ass. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, you have... Because imagine being her. It's like this was a completely routine thing that happened and now she's got... Fucking news outlets everywhere tweeting that she's trying to divide the party, that she doesn't support Joe Biden for president, when none of that is true, and NBC News knew that. So, (sighs) fucked up. Yep. Um, Can I really quick share my favorite part from the DNC? Yes, of course. The funniest part that I love so much. Oh, the great governor Gretchen Whitmer. I don't know anything about her, so she could be problematic as fuck. I don't know, but um, she... So before we knew the backstory, there was this clip of her where she didn't realize that they were recording and the mic was hot and you can hear her say, not Shark Week, it's Shark Week, motherfucker. And then she said something like, I know about the hot mic and laughs and then goes on with her speech. So everybody's like, what was the context of this? Like, what? why was she saying Shark Week, motherfucker? So she on her period? No. So this is funny. So she had a like a speech coach or someone, like someone that helps her with, um, you know, performing her speeches and stuff that told her that it always, you know, bodes well to smile while you're giving, you know, certain speeches. So she would say to draw a smiley face at the top of the page to make you smile. And she's like, well, smiley faces don't make me smile. So she was watching this, like, Kevin Hart special. And I guess Kevin Hart talks about how, you know, women used to be so scared of talking about their periods and they were so demure about it. And now it's, you know, this woman empowerment, like it's shark week or it's shark week, motherfucker. And I guess she just thought it was so funny that she started writing that at the top of all of her speeches to make her laugh before she started talking. Somehow I missed that because I think she was on the first day. Yeah. But I somehow missed that section. But this whole thing was like five hours long. So there were sections that I missed. (laughs) But I think I like her. I like her. I mean, I don't know that much about her. I think I like her because she did handle the um, COVID crisis in Michigan very well. And because of that, she got so much shit. Like, 
right wingers were out to get oh, yeah. her. And Michigan like, especially too, I bet. Yes, yeah. yes. Like they that's a place where a lot of like right wing people stormed the Capitol building with um, automatic weapons. There were signs that said Heil Whitmer on it. Hey. Uh, things like that, comparing her to Hitler and the Nazis. Really just terrible shit. Yeah, uh, but people suck. Because of that, I like her because I don't know anything else about her, but I'm like, she handled that shit like a champ. Yeah, so. she seems funny. She's handled the pandemic well. So far, Whitmer, you're doing good. Yeah, totally. So I do want to say real quick that we aren't going to talk about Joe Biden um too much. He did secure the nomination uh, and accepted it. And Kamala has secured the nomination and accepted it for a vice president. But he is speaking at the DNC literally like right now while we're recording. Mm-hmm. So we can't speak on his, you know, whatever what he he's says. doing. Yeah. yeah, whatever he says. But we can talk about Kamala. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, man. I know I said this in our full length episode and I know it's like not PC to say, but she's so cute. I can't help it. Yeah. Like, well, and so is her husband. Did you see her husband like fangirling over her? Like, I don't have enough great things to say about Kamala. Like, uh, it's just it's, so cute. She's like just so excited to be there. And I appreciate that. It's I very appreciate- Elle Woods. It's very like. Well, and I feel like there is this pressure on all politicians, but especially female politicians. And I think Hillary Clinton is a pretty good example of this, where there's a lot of pressure to be very like tough. Don't smile too much. And I get that because it's like it'll make you look weak. She came. I think Hillary Clinton came up in an era where it was like, if you don't, if you don't act, quote unquote, like a man, then it's going to fare badly for you and no one's going to take you seriously. Yeah. Whereas Kamala gets up there and she is smiley and she is clearly excited to be the nominee. Yeah. Um, And she... I like that. She had a lot of really great things to say as well. I love that she... I, I don't have the quote written down, but she was comparing the racism in our country to the pandemic and, you know, talking about how George Floyd and Breonna Taylor deserve justice and just hearing her say their names was a really beautiful thing for me, especially Breonna Taylor, because I just looked it up and I believe it's like the hundred and fifty something or sixty first. Yeah. It's, it's some ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of days since she was murdered. And, you know, she hasn't been trending for a while. People aren't saying, you know, aren't telling her story and saying her name as much. So just continually to continually seeing her represented in, you know, the media and now the DNC by Kamala is something that made me feel very happy. And I'm hoping right. that she keeps true to her promises. Uh, that's I have that in my notes as well, because I agree with you. That got me choked up. I also loved that she pointed out um, the fact that the reason why COVID is spreading in black, Latino, and indigenous um, groups more than it is in white areas is because of systemic racism. She actually goes in and says that it is due to structural racism uh, that this virus is spreading so much in those communities and I like that she is using it brings me hope that she is using her platform at this moment to talk about that and she did touch on inequities in policing she didn't really go very deep into that but here is hoping that she does one eventually address her record which we have talked about 
and that she too, uh, when she becomes VP, fingers crossed, yep, she actually does work to address these things. Like we said in our last full-length episode, it is my belief that she did the things she did, not excusing them, but she did the things she did as a prosecutor in order to get ahead. So hopefully those um, unfortunate uh, sacrifices that she made that had disastrous consequences for black and brown communities, hopefully that stuff got her into a position where now she can start undoing a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I just made a post on our Instagram page right before I got on with you uh, calling her out, hoping that she removes all of the marijuana I did convictions. I see that, yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, I, it gives me hope that she will yeah. if she's using her platform to um, speak about those things now. It gives me hope that she will push for that. I agree. So, well, I've got, hoping. I've got some feminist news, so I got to share it. Uh, I know we're getting toward our half an hour here, but I got to share it really quick. So our dumbass president pardoned Susan B. Anthony on the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. Did you hear about this? No. Oh, my God. Okay, Keegan, I'm going to tell this to you how Max told me this story because he saw this article before I did. So on Tuesday, August 18th, which was the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, he surprised everybody um, by pardoning Susan B. Anthony because she was arrested in 1872 for voting and found guilty for voting. He says, this was brought up a week ago and I was so surprised that it's never been done before. What took so long? Well, Donald, Susan B. Anthony didn't want to receive clemency. Historians confirm this, both because it would have admitted to guilt and because she wore her conviction with pride. She did not want to be pardoned. That was part of her identity. And later, it seems that Trump kind of acknowledged that Anthony may not have wanted the pardon, but said that he went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, Of course he did. Yeah. Who cares what the woman wants? Well, because this is the thing is he's trying to do this to sway female voters. And and of course, this article brought something up. This was a CNN article and it brought something up that's really interesting talking about how there are there's like a branch of feminism that's kind of like the pro-lifer feminist uh-huh. clique yes. yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that believes that Susan B. Anthony and a lot of the early suffragettes were very anti-abortion. So there's actually, there's this woman named Marjorie Dannenfelser, which I feel like we've talked about her before. She is the president of the anti-abortion group and the Susan B. Anthony list. And it's named after Susan B. Anthony because of that false belief that she was against abortion. Right. We've definitely talked about that movement before. Yeah. We have. Yeah. Yeah. So... New York's Democratic Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul has called upon Trump to reverse the pardon. Uh, it's just so it's so unfair. This woman. Well, it's like, transparent is what it is. It's a trans. He doesn't know what he's doing, which kind of brings me to the very last thing I wanted to talk about with the DNC. Okay. And that was Obama speaking. Right. Because Obama after Obama spoke. A lot of people were basically like he used his time to basically just shit all over Donald Trump, which he did. He used about like half of his time to shit on Trump and the other half to endorse Joe Biden. Like that's basically what he did. I mean, hey, that sounds just about right to me. Right. And he talks about how when when he left the White House and he knew that Trump was going to be president, that he knew that they didn't agree on a lot of things and he didn't expect that a lot of his policies would remain in place. But he did hope that Donald Trump would eventually 
figure the job out yeah. and take it seriously and realize how heavy it was. And he never fucking did. And Obama famously kept very quiet about the Trump presidency and administration um, to the point where people are like, why isn't he saying anything? Right. But no more. He said, quote, for close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work, no interest in finding common ground, no interest in using the awesome power of the office to help anyone but himself and his friends, mm-hmm. no interest in treating the presidency as anything other than one more reality show that he can use to get atten- the attention he craves. Ooh. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. And that's the thing about it. Like, to bring it back to what you were saying, that's kind of the thing about it is that like he doesn't know what he's doing and he never bothered to learn what he's doing. So when he makes moves like this or like trying to defund the post office ahead of the election where a lot of people are going to vote by mail, yeah. when he does things like this, it is so transparent what he's doing because he's not good at politics. Nope. He's incapable. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, I would I would absolutely urge people to go watch um, both of the Obama's speeches. I didn't even talk about Elizabeth Warren, but she's a goddamn angel. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just go watch the highlights. You don't have to sit through fucking 20 hours of of the DNC. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Getting the highlight reel is definitely the way that was good to go for me. Well, thank you to everybody. We did get a few uh, people asking us for specific stories. I actually did have a listener that wrote in wanting us to talk about the three transgender women that were attacked. So uh, thank you for reaching out to me. We had the same thought, which is always wonderful when we have the same thoughts as the listeners. If you have any ideas for us to talk, I can't talk tonight. If you have any suggestions for next week's What's in the News episode, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. I totally burped as I said N. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Okay, good. It was one of those like talk burps. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so much when you do that. And we also really appreciate it when you listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen. and It helps us out just a little bit. All right, everybody. With all of that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.